Hi everyone, welcome to SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. I'm Maria. And here's our podcast. For the realistic SLP. Welcome. Welcome. Here we are drinking and eating our wonderful wine. What eating are... the wine or drinking the wine? Both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever I said there. Anyway, we are drinking Chateau Cantaloupe. Or is it Cantaloupe? I don't know. It's French, so there's a P at the end. So I think I'm supposed to drop that P sound. I'm supposed to have final consonant deletion. Mm, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, because like we said, the French have the open syllables. Yes. So what are we drinking? We have a red wine and Bordeaux. a Bordeaux. A Bordeaux. Yeah, Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a classic wine, and we've paired it with goat cheese. We're going with the French theme. Mm-hmm. French wine, French cheese. And I like how the goat cheese tastes with the red wine because I think this red wine's a little too acidic, so the goat cheese kind of decreases the acidity. Mellows it out. Yes, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it's a little too acidic, this red wine? I have no idea. Wine tastes like wine, tastes like wine to me. I certainly can tell the difference between red and white wine. Like, I don't have that much of right. a... because one's red and one's white. Right, because colors. <laughs> yeah, colors are But helpful. in terms of taste, I can oh, taste okay. the difference. Like, if you put a blindfold on me. I don't know. We could. That could be a future episode. We should, we should totally do that. <laughs> blindfold Deb. Uh, but no, I don't really have a palate, and I'll drink it. So I say drink it, not sink it. Definitely drink it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy we paired it with goat cheese because it definitely decreases that acidity. Um, and it, so it acts as like a blank slate, the goat cheese. Yeah, and that's just how you should view each of your therapy sessions. You should just go in there every single time with a blank slate, whether it is the first time you've ever seen that client or if it is the 12th time you've seen that client. It's just best to go in there with a blank slate. So just every time you enter that room, just think about goat cheese. I love that because I think about food a lot, so that will be easy for me. (laughs) So cheers. Viewing our clients as blank Blank slates. slates. Love it. Cheers. So today we have a a lot of ideas that we want to talk about. Primarily, we um, initially started this episode thinking we were going to talk about phonology and phonetics. And I think we might have shifted our perspective to perception. Yeah. So I think mostly we're going to talk, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But perception is our key term this evening. And that's the ability to see, hear, and be aware of something through your senses right like how you're not aware of acidity levels for mm-hmm. wine even though you have a wine and cheese podcast right. <laughs> irony is also in there too I, well it's not that i don't enjoy these things i certainly do it's right. just that i um i will take any of it just hand it over but mm. i'm i'm willing to i know maybe one day you will bring a wine i don't like okay I mean, I hope, I kind of hope so now, just to see. Yeah, I'll just drink it with a frown the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing about uh, perception, I don't know if you remember this from grad school. Do we take uh, phonology together or for motor phonetics? Phonetic? What did we take together? I lost. Well, no, because that was in undergrad and we didn't go oh, to undergrad right. together. But perception precedes expression. So it's good to talk about perception before we get into phonology. Exactly, because... You can't really produce something that you don't perceive. Correct. Yes. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about, so what's going on in the news? Yeah. So what did you hear? Yanni or Laurel? All right, everyone. I heard Yanni. I heard Laurel, obviously. We're two opposites. Yeah, everything is always different. But when I listened to it at first, I was like, what on earth? Who, what liar is saying that they hear Laurel? That would be me. <laughs> I... <laughs> but luckily, you did the research. So what's yeah. going on All there? Right. So this explain? is, yes. And now I feel like we should be super excited because we could finally use speech science. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we learned about that. And we're finally applying it, and it took. I really like that professor. Me too. She was cool. Yeah. She loved the opera because she yes. really appreciated the operas. Operists. I, I think I, I invented my own singers. words. The opera singers. The art of voice. singing opera. Yes, yeah. their voices. Mm-hmm. And so, if you heard Laurel, you are more attuned to the lower frequencies, like me. And if you heard Yanni, you perceive the higher frequencies. 
So the story behind it was, uh, in a nutshell, they it's like a computerized voice, and it started with, with saying Laurel, and then they recorded it, and then background noise got mixed up in there, and the background noise caused it to have some higher frequencies. So it's there was mixed high and low frequencies. So depending on what your brain picked up on mm-hmm. is what you heard, right? What what you perceive. Right, what you perceive based on your own experiences. And we all perceive things slightly differently. Um, as a matter of fact, so we were talking about school a bit. When we were in grad school, I didn't we talked audiology clinic was only in grad school? Yes. I think it was only in grad school. At but least for us. anyway, I took it in the summer. Okay. So when I, I graduated undergrad in um I don't know when 2010? I did. In 2010? Yeah. And then I started, I did that summer. I went right mm. to grad school in the I summer. Okay. I was like, man. <laughs> I did. And I think that's when I took audiology clinic. Mm-hmm. And every patient we ever had scheduled canceled. So I had my hearing checked so many times. Right. And I have excellent hearing. Wow. I'm, the again, the opposite. So I had audiology clinic. Mm-hmm. And we were specifically focusing on CAPD. And we didn't have that oh. many clients. They canceled a lot. So we all just gave each other the CAPD test. And I have to say, I failed miserably. And it does make sense for a lot of things that I mess up. So what do you feel like are your deficits that... Uh, lead you to believe you have central yeah. auditory processing Well, disorder. I did I did terrible with the background noise. So what we had mm-hmm. to do is we had our headphones on and then you had they, you know, the recording told you a sentence and then in one ear was just like cafeteria noise or background mm-hmm. noise and I just bombed it. I was doing so horribly on it. Mm-hmm. There, I know I, I knew I had to repeat something and I was like, I just have no idea. <laughs> and I just started making stuff up. And then as I got progressively worse, I was just shrugging like, I'm just yeah. terrible. Please, I just I stopped this test. <laughs> yeah, so. I never even did that that test. I think we that... only did regular hearing screenings and and uh, like hearing aid adjustments and mm-hmm. then Tympanography. Yeah, tympanography. Yeah, yeah. We that measures that the eardrum. Yeah, the pressure inside the middle ear. But CAPD, I feel like everyone has that, or at least I have it, because that test was hard. Yeah, it definitely was the worst of my group. Like I had, even though our professor was like, "Whoa, Maria, like you know really? you have CAPD," and I was like, "Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense." But you know, CAPD is a very controversial topic because many people feel as though CAPD is actually just the result of poor. Of phonological processing and phonemic awareness so it's like the reason why you are unable to perceive the sounds is not due to CAPD it's due to a phonemic awareness issue interesting did you know I'm an auditory learner no I thought you would be tactile well, I mean, who learns by, like, like you think people beat me and then I understand? Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, like, I do best with tactile cues, but I, yeah, I'm an auditory learner. I remember most things that I hear. Oh. That's why it's really hard to be in an argument, argument with me because I'll be like, this is what you said verbatim. Oh, wow. And I can even, like, recall the nuances of what you said and how you said it. So, uh, and in the situation. So I remember most things that I hear. I learn more from hearing than I do from, um, like, reading. Certainly reading was not my strength. I did much better. Like, I was that person who was like, just tell me what happened. And even though that seemed like I wasn't trying, I definitely was getting more information that it through that than I was independently on my own. Well, being that I have CAPD, I'm a visual learner. (laughs) So I'm more of like when I would study or when I would read something, I'm like, oh, I remember it was on like the upper left hand side of the page. Mm -hmm. Like I remember where something was. And then if I'm in an argument, I'll say like, no, I remember what you did with your hands at that moment. Uh I remember like that. Like I won't remember what you said. Uh I was never that person who could like see their notes. Yeah. Oh, no, that was me. I always, like, see. see yeah. Yeah. So, that's... I can now, now that I write notes very fancy. Now when I do notes, I use, like, all different lettering and I draw things. But I think that's, that's because, a like. visual, then. I think it is visual, but it's, like, catering to my visual. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I felt like when you're in school, you're constantly, like, the creativity is being torn out of you. And you're being forced to do things the way that you have to do it uh-huh. according to like what's correct and 
proper and whatever, which really like held me back a lot as a child and then also like into my graduate studies, I believe. So once I finally became an adult and I was like, oh, you actually can do whatever you want. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter. I could, if I want to take notes by like drawing pictures and doodling, then there's actually, there's evidence for that. There's research for that. (laughs) EBP? Yeah, exactly. Evidence EBP, excuse me. Um, So yeah, how do you think that like translates to your clients? You know, like I think about that too. All right, like how does this kid learn? How do I teach that? I want, you know, you want to teach them how they're going to understand it, how, what type of learner is my student? So, you know, I was thinking about that too. Because you're thinking about it on your, for yourself, you should think about it too with your clients, you know? Yeah, for, so I think that it's always best to take a multilinguistic approach. Yes. That we want to take on the idea of learning the sounds and also the meaning and also their use mm-hmm. um, all together rather than constantly separately. Yeah, it's best to take a multi-liquid, I wrote this down. Okay. Yeah. It's best to take a multilinguistic approach, sounds, letters, and meaning. Teaching together in an integrated way is more effective because then you have functional connectivity because neurons that fire together wire together. I like that. And that's mm-hmm. actually a big approach with different reading programs. I know like in my school, we, there's like a ton of reading programs. So like one of them is um, Smile, it's called. It's for special needs kids, I'm pretty sure. But mm-hmm. I like that you have to like teach, you teach bilabials first and mm-hmm. SLP help create it. So you teach bilabials first. Um, you have to do everything five times. Okay. You have to, the child has to like point to each letter. So there's like the tactile. Right. Each letter is a different color. So it's like color coded. You have the mm-hmm. visual and uh, I forgot something else. But there's, yeah, like you said, it's all like auditory. They have yeah, to say the sound, it hear it, touch, use their finger, color, and then like combining it. So like starting easier and then working the way up. Right. So, so yeah. when we first go to college some people enter as undecided Mm -hmm. some people enter as uh csd communication sciences and disorders some are not even anything near that and some are not even like near it so i was wondering what did you enter undergrad with i entered with well at first i was um you know like i didn't declare a major and then uh, actually, my accountant told me to go and look into speech. Mm-hmm. It's a good job for a woman, he said. You can make your own hours. and um, Or a woman. For, I know, I know. <laughs> but that's what he said. Hey, those are his words, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, got it to observe. It is best for a woman because, you know what, we're patient. Yep. And we can, we are, we have a higher threshold for frustration. And we're more empathetic. Mm-hmm. And so, we're just yeah. awesome. Exactly. You know, the future is female, but yes, yep. continue. I on. want a shirt that says that. I okay. have seen that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then I observed an SLP. I remember she was just playing like a memory game. And I'm like, this is great. They're just playing games and they get paid for this. Great. <laughs> so I declared my major, uh, my second semester of my freshman year. Undergrad, obviously. Huh. What about you? So I entered with advertising. Oh. And then I changed to public relations. Mm -hmm. I could see you in that, though. Yeah. And then I... No, wait. So first I started as public relations, Mm -hmm. and then I changed to advertising. And at that time, I was working at the library at St. John's, making like $7 an hour. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of the hours. And like, very bored. And I'm a very yeah. talkative person. You're not supposed to do that in the library. You, yeah, you're yeah. not. Well, it didn't last for very long. I love the library, by the way. Shout out to the <laughs> NYPL. I always, I never buy books because it's like, why would I buy books if there's a ton in the library? I'm not going right. to just waste paper. Exactly. Anyway. That's a great thing to do. I should go to the library. They more. know me there by name. They're like, hey, hey, what's up? How'd you like this book? I'm like, oh, this was great. This wasn't. I only go to the library to do uh, speech therapy. Like in the summer, if if it's like all CPSE cases and somebody, maybe it's like way easier to go to the library so everyone comes to me rather than go to their apartments. That's really genius. We need to cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. 
Okay. <laughs> it's so, allowed tears because we use mason jars to drink. Because it's Brooklyn. But yeah, so I was working in the library and then I told my mom that like I was on the brink of going crazy and that, you know, I'm an advertising major and I need to be sure this is what I want to do because I initially went to college thinking I was going to be an occupational therapist. Ah, I love incorporating OT into yeah, my speech me too. sessions. Yeah. Because I worked at a daycare and I always saw like the relationship that was built from like the see it and the OT that came into the classroom for like the kids that I was with. Mm -hmm. And I was envious of that because I saw the growth, but then I also saw the like, like the connection. Right. And the desire. Yeah. So So everyone in the class was drawn to this person and this person was like making a big impact. Isn't that crazy or in a way cool? Like how that one person like, like made an impact on you and now like your whole career is because of that one person but then the speech therapist always took the kid out and brought him to like this little room so i never saw what she did and i never was interested in being a speech that's what i call the speech bubble Uh that's what i call slps that are in their speech bubble and we don't want that right we want people to know what we're doing so they can carry it over it's not a secret but i think most people are afraid that if uh right if people are watching them do therapy they're afraid like oh what are they thinking are they gonna judge me are they gonna be like how is this useful this is this kid's real problem and to that i say what other people think about you is none of your business i don't care what anyone (laughs) thinks about me that's a good point but i'm also gonna say at this point too that Mm -hmm. Why not be open to what they have to say? Because, A, you could just take it or leave it. Or they might have a good point. Because especially yeah. if it's like, you know, a teacher or someone, a para who works with the kid, they know them better than you do. I'm sorry. Right. Speech That's bubble true. SLP. Yeah. <laughs> they do know them better than you do. So when you say, oh, like they never, you know, use idioms or they don't understand idioms, they're like, what? They did this the other day or something. This is like a terrible right. example. But... Or it's like the teacher's <laughs> like, my goodness. Uh, snack and lunch is a disaster with him he he doesn't initiate anything Mm -hmm. he doesn't initiate conversations he doesn't um, go to feed himself he doesn't advocate for himself so then that's really great insight and this is something else that we were talking about how I have no interest in being right yes oh my god yes and this is so hard for me to wrap my brain around (laughs) I need visual cues right now. (laughs) Yes. We got post-its and we got highlighters and we have mason jars. So create a whole scenery for me in a nutshell. Go for it. Well, what do you mean? I mean, like, so I don't have any interest in being right. So even though I'm already in a place where I'm not concerned about if anybody's judging the therapy that I'm providing, but in addition to that, if somebody were to tell me something... I don't have to be right. So it's not like I have this ego that I'm bringing to the speech therapy session where I'm like, I'm the professional. I know everything. I should be like, no one should tell me what this kid needs to do. I have no interest in being right. So if you are with this kid on a daily basis and you are seeing a constant struggle, you need to know that your ego is not your amigo. Yes. Throw that out the door. Okay, so I, I I need visuals now. So if I'm in the therapy room, mm-hmm. let's say, and someone comes up, comes in and they see what I'm doing and they question it or they tell me something about it or they just mention something about it, don't take that the wrong way. Don't feel like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, why are they questioning me? Or well, what? you should oh, They're right, everything. I'm wrong, they're right, you know. No, so never who cares who's right or who's wrong. Just listen to what they say. Because if you cut people off, that means that you're afraid to hear the rest of their statement because you're concerned that it might be wrong or what they're saying might contradict or go against your argument, right? So if a kid cuts me off, I'm like, you're obviously cutting me off because you know I might say something that's right and it's going to hurt your argument here. So you've already shown me that... I'm the one who is making a good point. Wow. So just if by interrupting, just break. Yeah. by just interrupting, you're already in the wrong or you're already in like, it, it shows uh, again, to me see, see how a hard this of, is for me yeah. to wrap my head around. It shows to me a lack of security. 
if that you're interrupting me, not in like in conversation, we we talk about this a lot. Like I interrupt and I need to stop, but it's because I'm like I have an idea. I so have it's an, an attention idea. issue. It's like Ish. it's a I can't control my ideas. Impulse control. Yeah, that's imp- a cognitive thing. I have impulse control issues. I have CAPD. It's but okay. But only with talking. Like I don't overeat and I don't like I don't need immediate gratification with mm-hmm. anything. I just. I have an idea and I have, you have to know what I'm saying. Well, you should trust yourself that you're going to remember it. And sometimes you could hold on to the thing because sometimes the person will like answer your question anyway, or they'll let, you know, let them have a chance to say, and then maybe that can enhance your idea. Right. Yeah. You could just piggyback on top of them. Yeah. I should just listen and listen and listen and then go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I should. You're right. Thank that you. Would be, that Ooh, would be... I'm right. Yes. But, See, but wait, no, hold on. Bad. Oh, God. Mm. So I don't always have to be right. No, you should have no interest in being right. That's okay. what. I'm so going like, to work on that. That'll, that'll be a goal for me. If somebody says to you, so-and-so is happening, that doesn't mean that they are right. Most right. of the time, I I don't think most things that I hear are right. Mm-hmm. But, like, I will take it into consideration because if you, like... A lack of, you have to take in all the information that's available to you if you want to fully solve a problem. And if you're any ignorance of information is a neglectful thing on your part. Right, you're giving, you're doing yourself a disservice. And the person in front of you. Wow. So yeah, taking in all information and maybe like somebody will say something to you that's completely wrong and now you have information that that person is a moron. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, so either solved. way, it's a win-win. Yes. Whether you just gain insightful information about yourself yeah. and or the other person. Just and then you listen. could just steer clear of them in the future. Or just nod your head and be like, absolutely. Right. Yeah, the, the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what my favorite thing to say is, by the way, is I never heard, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Uh-huh. No one can argue with that. Uh-huh. Right? I never thought way. of it that way, but you're right. You know who actually taught me that? Who? Someone with Parkinson's. He, really? Yes. So, so he's good. been the family somehow. Mm-hmm. Somehow. He's family related. <laughs> he's in and your family. He's in my family. And he told me that. And I was like, wow, that's great. Yeah. So that yeah. is great. So now so, we're, let's yeah, get to from, from our geriatrics. Topic. Let's go back to uh, EI. And um, actually, so. So initially, we got together thinking we were going to talk about phonology. We still are. And we are. We are going to talk about phonology. So the first class that we take when we go to college is phonetics. And phonetics is how we are introduced to this career, right? Right. So I never got to how I chose speech, but that'll be another episode. So phonetics is... When did did you choose it? Let's ask more. Like second year of college. It's a longer story. So we're not going to get into it. Are you happy you did it that way? Yes, it must have been fake because I did it without... uh, Like with... It was like, it just popped into my head. I went to the office and I did it. I don't know how it happened. Well, sometimes, uh, like what the ladies from SLP Toolkit said, when you have an idea, you should go with yeah. it because that's when it's like meant to happen. Like you're supposed to manifest that. Yeah, I'm and it just, that stuff, it just so. popped into my head. It was It's like the craziest thing. And but- also I think, you know, for anyone who's like thinking about switching careers or declaring a major in speech, like if you have this idea in you and like it just happens like just go with mm-hmm. it like let it flow let yeah. it happen yeah and you don't have to be right about it right that's okay. right that's more but for it's me. also funny i keep trying to go back to this most people when they are like do you have any advice for me i'm thinking about considering a, a career in speech mm-hmm. pathology i'm just like yeah be a nurse instead yeah oh really i yeah. say yes go for speech oh no i say don't right. it's like it's like the like i take it from the jews if somebody goes to a jewish person and they say i want to be jewish then a Jewish person is supposed to tell them at least three times no. And if really? after that third time they still want to be Jewish, then they should be Jewish. Wow. That's, yeah, they're like, oh, like don't do it. It's a process. You. Yeah, because they only want people who are really into it to enter, you know, the chosen ones. It's like yeah. weed out the people who aren't yeah. really fully committed. Who are just like whimsical, you know. Like dating. That's why you got to be a little like. Right tough like mm, i'm not gonna call you back after 30 seconds like you need to wait yes it's like vetting <laughs> so did you like phonetics i hated phonetics i liked it so it was a bad way to introduce me to the career and you almost lost me it's like welcome to this career now you're gonna learn a new language before you learn to teach people english like, right exactly well so i have a confession i Go am a terrible speller and reader interesting and i'm pretty good you are? Yeah. See, 
we're the opposites. Right. I, growing up, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I went to 13 different schools as a kid. And I'm pretty right. confident that I had dyslexia, but nobody ever noticed because I kept going to new schools. Wow. So, you so I just kept going back to through the, the cracks, kids. Mm-hmm. But hey, you're a success story. You're an yeah, SLP. Yeah, and you know how I became a champion? Uh, let me guess. Let me guess. Comedy? No, Dr. Seuss. Oh, wow. Yeah. The rhyming. If anybody... That's phonology. Here we go. (laughs) Wow, Dr. Seuss. I love phonology. I think it's the best, most interesting part of speech pathology. I think it cured me. Because you're also an auditory learner. Yes. So that auditory, that rhyming, the beat. Mm -hmm. The word family. And you also love music. So that goes again with auditory. Yeah, I was also majorly into creative writing and photography when I was in high school and college so all of my it took me I had to take a bunch of summer classes because I kept taking too many classes that I didn't have all the classes that I actually needed um to graduate on time so (laughs) so about uh phonetics though in classes I liked it though because Mm -hmm. I felt like you were learning like I was learning another language and because I'm Greek I guess I had that uh what is that Good advantage? advantage. Cuz yeah. some of the symbols are everything Greek. is Greek. Yes, of course. <laughs> and I and I be uh, I uh, speak Spanish and Greek and obviously English even though I don't sound like But you're fluent right in Spanish? Not fluent, but I think the phonetics was just like learning another language. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, all right, you know, this reminds me of this sound or this letter right. and it helps uh that, you know. So I think that my major deficit in reading and spelling was predominantly even though I'm an auditory learner Mm -hmm. I I remember everything I hear but in terms of like um comprehension and visual Uh I can I can understand and remember and visualize when it came to breaking down sounds in words I would lose confidence in what the sounds actually are in the middle especially when Mm. it was a multi-syllabic word I see a lot of kids are like that yeah like you just described M. I see now I have to write it. <laughs> so, oh, so you have to write it. Yeah. Down. So M A I N T E N A N C E. So once I get here, I'm like, is it maintenance? Is it maintenance? And then mm-hmm. I'm just like, who cares? I. Well, but okay. So here's a strategy. Why don't you break it up? Yeah. Main ten ants. Right, but then so there three. are also sometimes when phonology and and um phonics don't agree because mm-hmm. this is mean right <laughs> i know so that's why also so our i wrote this down too hold on well since you're looking uh yeah. that is i think a lot of with spelling and reading and writing is practice 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 yeah so i think a lot of it i'm a big fan of like writing the word 10 times writing it writing it writing it so mm-hmm. i don't know if you did that when you were a kid a lot no i didn't even do my homework oh well i did i used to throw it in the garbage oh, okay yeah well, but homework carryover I, and look at that that's a I lesson think right homework, there homework is stupid i don't um so <laughs> opposites. well because you need the repetition you need if you're doing it right if well, you live in a house where, like, your parents care if you do your homework. I guess mine did. So okay, my mom did. Okay. But then we have, so, like, children are wired for sound, but print is an optional skill. It will not develop on its own. So that's where the homework comes in. Yeah. But, so, I didn't pay attention in school or, like, even, I remember being a young kid, and I didn't even understand what the homework was by the time I got home. Oh, I had gosh. no clue. Yeah. Not even a clue. I didn't do homework until the sixth grade because in New Jersey, that's where the schools were the best out of all the places I've I went. I've heard Jersey schools are great. By yeah. The way. And it started to be like a problem that I wasn't doing my homework. Like yeah, they were following similar. up with it. And they oh, were like, wow. it wasn't, it was like an integrity issue at that point. They were like, well, we're not even going to call your mom. We're going to terrorize you here in school until you do do your homework. Yeah. And then I did. Did you think that helped you? Yes, it See? did. It so did. homework is good. Oh, not the homework, but no, it helps me to have an adult make it important. Okay. But yeah, so like, and then I realized, because for a long time, because I struggled so much with reading and spelling, I just always thought I was dumb. Oh. So I really did. And I, and I remember in first grade, I memorized this book called What Bunny Loves. Because okay, I heard, heard somebody else read it to me. And I, and I understand that words are like individual, like there's a space between words. 
and uh-huh. I remembered it verbatim. So I would pretend to read this book that I memorized. Oh, wow. And because, and then when I was in second grade, it was like my turn to read a story to the class. Mm-hmm. And the, and I struggled because I think I also had anxiety. Yeah. So I was really help. struggling with the book. And then the teacher was like, Deborah, you said that you knew how to read this book and you're sitting up there and you don't. So sit down. Someone else is going to have a turn. Wow. I didn't scarring, read again huh? until sixth grade. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Well, yeah. I think a lot of things you just said there were like a lot of our clients, I'm sure, have those yes. same feelings. And I think it just shows an importance of like starting in the homes when we like work with EI kids and kids, maybe they're nonverbal. You really need that parent support. You really need those parents to kind of carry over what you're doing and, Yeah, because the most normal mandate is two times 30. And you're not going to take in anything twice a week for 30 minutes. You won't even, like, unless you, if you do cardio twice a minute, twice a week for 30 minutes, like, you'll be better than dead. But, like, it's not going to, it's going to be good. I mean, everything is better than nothing, or something is better than nothing, but it's really not. A game changer. No, it's not. Right. I see your point. Yeah, so. Basically, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. So, phonology is the system of relationships among speech sounds that constitute the fundamental component of language. See how good I am at reading now. Yes, Dr. Seuss. It's a branch of linguistic that deals with the system of sounds, especially in a particular language. And in English, we have forty-four phonemes. So. Even though we have 26 letters in the alphabet, mm-hmm. we actually have 44 unique sounds that help distinguish one word from another, and 12 of those are vowels. So Whoa, even though we teach kids A-E-I-O-U, if you ask a child how many vowels we have, they would say five or six, because right. sometimes why, which is a lie and wrong. Yeah. Also, if you ask a child how many sounds are there, they'd probably say 26, because that's right. how many letters there are in the alphabet. Right. That's not how many sounds there are. That's true. So you're not teaching kids to actually understand the sounds in words. Also, do you know that you're, like, visually, mm-hmm. your brain is taught to understand that if something moves, it is still the same object. Okay. Right? So if you're yep. facing me right. and you turn the other way, uh-huh. I know I will still perceive you as Maria. Right. But B and D right. should be the same letter. Yeah. Because your brain sees it the same because it mm. should be the same because all it's done is turn to the side. But some moron decided it was going to be a letter and then it like dictated yeah. our lives. And That's true. Also, reading is, it does not make sense whatsoever because most of it is because of the printing press. Well, reading is also specific with which language now. So we're talking about English. English, right? yes. English is a tough language. It English really is. is a tough language. It was influenced yeah. by so many other languages. But then also, the printing press didn't even have all of the letters. Really? I, these are like no. fun facts of the day. Yeah, So, because I did research on how the world has tried to hold me back, but no wow. one ever will. Well, oh, I like that. <laughs> so the yeah. printing press didn't even have all the letters, so they're like, ah, screw it, we'll put it in, we'll just make this a thing. Wow, and, and we have to learn now from that, and we yeah. have to just, listen, it is what it is, right? We're not going to go back in time and change the printing no. press. You have to make it work. Exactly. That's, That's it. what we're all about. That's what we're all about. So, so also, yeah. I wanted to get into French, though, because yes. we're drinking French wine, oui. and then we have oui, French mon- cheese. Oui, monsieur. Monsieur. <laughs> Mademoiselle. Excuse I know. Me. Comment allez-vous? Oh, that's... Uh, is How that are the... you? Très bien, merci. Very well, thank you. Okay, thank but, you. Okay, so this is a great example. So let's go to this. So there's 37 phonemes in French and 17 vowels. Um, in, wow. In French, I read one article. They're very specific between distinguishing between phonology and phonetics, whereas if you read an English article, they're like, yeah, it is the same. It's not the same. It's not, mm. It doesn't really matter. And um, another interesting fact, as Maria mentioned when she was uh, trying to pronounce the wine, yeah. uh, syllables end in vowels mostly in French, and it's called open syllabication. Yes. So two things that are very interesting about this. So I can say, comment allez-vous, très bien, merci, je m'appelle. Um, that one I know is my name things. is whatever. But I'm saying what I heard because I'm very good at hearing and repeating and understanding. Did you understand what you just said? Yes, I know okay. everything I just said. Good. But if you ask me to break it down on a sound level, um. I can't. 
it's maybe also you need like, to clap it out or something. We need well, some. You I need another. Confidence in the middle sounds. I don't know because vowels are really the key to phono- phonemic awareness yes. and phonology. I agree. And I'm not always confident in my vowels. Mm-hmm. So halfway through, I'm like, is that I don't know. Even when I'm like learning a language on an app. When the Italian would ask me to repeat it, I'm like, I can't because I don't even understand what I heard because it's hard for me to break it down at a sound level. You know what stinks there? It's almost like a double-edged sword. Like you already have a difficult time with it and you're aware you have a difficult time with it. So it decreases your confidence. Mm -hmm. So you're just like, oh, like everything's against you at this point. And that's like how our clients feel sometimes, you know, like they know that they have a hard time. They know they're in speech, right? They know they have a hard time and then it makes that even more difficult for them. Right, and they see everyone finishing things on time and they're taking longer. But the other thing, we do want to get to, to another point, but so when I was learning Spanish in school, mm-hmm. I remember two words the most. I mean, I do know a lot of Spanish, but I remember pupitri okay. and sacapuntas. Okay. Well, I don't know those. One of them is a desk. Pupitri is a desk. Is it? And okay. sacapuntas is a pencil sharpener to take out the points. Oh, the car, okay. Puntas, the points. So, um, but I think I just said a curse. I think I said it. I did say hear a yeah, curse, but, but that was unintentional but cursing. But yeah, I don't know. Somebody write us an email, um, slpswineandcheese at gmail.com. Yes. Let us know. Um, but so I knew it was like poopy tree, but I thought it was like poopy tree. Right. So even though I know <laughs> the word and I know right. the meaning and I know the visual representation yeah. and I can't spell it. And I can't break it down on a sound level because I don't actually know what I heard. But I know I can repeat it. And this is what phonemic awareness is. Right. It's your awareness of sounds on the smallest sound level. Right. And breaking down words. So that's what it is to me. And Maria, you have a different perspective. But we do have a very similar perspective. We're going to first talk about... Um, our nonverbal kids yeah. and our early intervention kids. Right. Because here at this level of um, ex- exposing them, we want to expose them to sounds. Right. And we're just trying to get them to produce sounds. Because exactly. in this population, purposeful sounds. Purposeful sounds. Yes. Deliberate purposeful sounds. Um, and I think exposing them to uh, sounds and words, and essentially. <laughs> Uh, to things in their environment and the things that they're motivated by. So we don't want just like random words again, because if we want to be purposeful and functional, you know, we're not going to teach this, like, let's say we have a kid early intervention, maybe they're on the spectrum, maybe not, maybe it's just a speech delay. We're going to start with like bilabial words. That's how I look at it. I would start with things like ball and things that they're motivated by instead of like more complex words, right? That's right. pretty yes, straightforward. Yes. Wanna, yes, so words, so it's always like uh, event, an eventual goal is we'll label and describe age-appropriate pictured common objects. Right. Label and describe pictured common actions. Right, actions. I'm big actions. Oh, I word. love pictured right? actions. Because oh, finally ab- we're the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pictured actions are the best. Because a lot of... Um, Oh, going off. Yeah, Siri has a lot to say, too. Siri agrees with us, too. We're three for three. Uh, Yeah, because a lot of uh, SLPs, they say, uh, you know, I've been reading about in the research, focus too much on nouns. And when they take children's MLU, they see that they have a lot more nouns in their vocabulary than verbs. Mm -hmm. So definitely teach verbs at an early age. Like, go counts as a verb. I have pictured actions on my website. And cheap. Okay. Oh, you could actually just do them with your yeah. hands. Yeah. I mean, no, definitely get Deborah's. No, stuff, no, no. But... I mean, I just, um, I actually just took images from the internet that are coloring. Like, I would Google image coloring pages. Right. And then so that you can print them in black and white, so you're not using all of mm-hmm. your ink. But then also you could color them in. But I have them laminated in black and white. Right. And Very you go effective through them. and not an yeah. issue. Yeah. And then as they're coloring them, what are you doing? Coloring. There right. you go. That's it's an action. And then so. you can always like give or more or, you know, choose right. colors. So when we're in, we, well, did we get really to EI and nonverbal kids? So yeah, at this point, be... we want to come from 
even though we're, we're in terms of phonology, we're trying to expose them to sound so that they can add those sounds to their phonemic repertoire yeah. so that they can understand that um, sounds have meanings and mm -hmm. different sounds can change the different meanings of words. Right, because perception is important for before expression. Perception precedes expression, so you want to expose them to these sounds, even if they're not necessarily imitating them, modeling mm -hmm. them, at least they're hearing them. You want and to auditorily bombard them with yes. that sound. And that's what I tell parents a lot. I work, I still work with uh, children in EI or they're nonverbal. And let's say the child didn't say anything during the session, right? Or there was, they even just moved their lips, but no sound came out. And I'll tell the parent, like, it's okay. They heard it. They felt yeah. it. They saw it. So they still got exposure to the sound. So that's definitely a tip you should right. tell a parent. And that's a tip you yeah. should tell yourself as a therapist. Thank you. Many, I do. Well, no. Well, you already know what I'm talking right. about the listeners. Okay. Because many people will be like, I've been working on the sound. I've been working on the sound. They're still not producing it right. I'm yeah. like, still do it. Just keep going. Because they're going to hear. Me too. Yeah. When you provide... The minimal pairs, they're going to be able to discriminate between. We'll get into that. But, right. So, but yeah, keep bombarding some, them. Keep bombarding them. Right. Auditory bombardment is uh, is important, and you want to expose them, them to the, the sound. Thing. So that's where we're at. If you're, we're talking about EI nonverbal in terms of phonology, it's yes. again similar to the perception, hearing the sound, purposeful sounds that you're exposing them to, and even if they're not saying it. They're still hearing it, seeing it. Right. And then it's tactile. also the tactile and the sensory, like we talked about the Z-Vibe in the first episode. Right. So we want to increase sensory input in order yeah. to trigger that motor response. So right. a little bit of a motoric factor is going to come in there maybe with different techniques, prompts, and cues. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you want those labials to come, then you're going to push those lips together yeah. so the child can be aware of the sensation of their lips touching. Exactly. Because that is what articulation means, right. to touch. Yeah. yeah, I like definitions yes. of words. Yes, right. But and then, also if you want to do, let's say, like the O sound or something, like use their little cheeks, massage their cheeks, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So these are all tactile things that we can do. Great. So the next population that we want to move into is preschool speech speech and language disorders yes. and phonology and phonemic awareness here. So now at this level, you're going to have several kids who present with phonological processing right. disorders. And a lot of them should disappear by three. And by the time we're seeing them, if they haven't disappeared by three, then we know, okay, right. we, we need to intervene, intervene. here. Yeah. Ah. But that. so a, pho a phonological process is, it's a pattern that children use in order to mimic adult-like speech. Mm -hmm. And Maria and I were talking about this before we started recording. We both agree that we find that some of our most intelligent kids are the ones that have the strongest phonological processes that have not been suppressed right. by the age and we think that they're just talking 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 right. idea 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 they're like yeah i don't have time for my mouth to close i'm just going going because right i had a kid telling me all about outer space wow i'm like when do we start like as a preschooler right. you learn so much great they stuff kids are just so smart nowadays <laughs> the internet and netflix so um and just because they don't have the motoric support to support their linguistic system their linguistic right. system is like way more advanced than their motoric system right, is. Right, they know and all the names of the dinosaurs. Right, because they're three, <laughs> and they've only been alive for three years, so the body has not had enough time right. to evolve to support Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, you know right. what I mean? But they can tell you everything about a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right. They're, they are pretty cool. Yeah, they dinosaurs. are. Well, I don't... I like the long neck dinosaur. I forgot. Stegosaurus? No. I don't know the dinosaur names, but yeah. maybe that'll be my next coloring project. By the way, uh, you can't go wrong with dinosaurs, just as an FYI. Right. I need a lesson idea. The... I need this idea. Go with dinosaurs. Girls like it. Boys like it. Everyone likes it. Also, dinosaurs include almost all of the speech sounds. Oh, yeah, exactly. Be and in multisyllabic <laughs> and like also blends and clusters yeah, and all of those just... things. So you're going to target, even if like, so let's say you have a mixed group and it's like one's articulation, one is speech and language, and one is phonology and the other one's social skills. Yeah. You can talk about dinosaurs. You can produce the sounds of those dinosaurs. You could stop talking about dinosaurs for right. the social kid. Exactly. Like, all right, can we 
we stop for a little bit? <laughs> or you can tell that kid, what do you like about dinosaurs? Right. Like if you're trying to pull that information yeah. out of them. So exactly. this is another, we're going to do a whole episode on mixed groups because it's kind ah, of a right. pet peeve of mine when people message me being like, well, what do you do with mixed groups? I'm like, what are you doing that doesn't target every goal? Right. Like even right now we're targeting like every speech goal. Exactly. So no matter what you're doing, you're, you're listening, you're understanding, Drinking. you're speaking, you're drinking. Thin liquids. Oh, and the goat cheese and mechanical soft, right? Right. Oh, yeah. We, we decided that I think it's a mechanical soft, soft consistency. So, yeah. So at the preschool level, what – um so I'm going to talk about my favorite techniques and you're going to talk about your favorite sure. techniques. How about – you want to go first? Uh, no, I would like you to go okay. first. So I, I like to kind of like, mm, okay, your yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> uh, no, no, you're I, interested in being right. I'm not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'm working on not. My favorite thing to work on in preschool uh, speech and language disorders is minimal mm. pairs. Because okay. now here we're going to pair words that are going to target the errors that they're producing. And the right. idea is that we want to simulate the immature process in order to eliminate it. Because right. we want to put two words next to each other mm -hmm. that have very clear different meanings. Yeah. And we want them to be able to discriminate between the two. So, I do like, like minimal pairs, though. So we're, oh. I'm in agreement with you. Okay, great. <laughs> but you have pictures that go with it, right? Yes. Okay. I'll do, like... I'll do minimum 50 minimal pairs every speech Whoa. session, no matter what your goal is. Okay. Because I think it makes you a better person because it made me a better person because mm. I could read because of minimal pairs because rhyming is essentially minimal pairs. Right. So no wow. matter what, it's going to help you. Even as an adult, you should go practice minimal pairs because it's going to make you a more fluent person um, in general. So. If we want to mimic um, fronting, which is like the cutest phonological process. I don't think it's cute. I don't think any of them's cute. Neither I don't do think I. Okay, cute, all right, no. good. But Thank that's you. what people always like mimic and they think it's fun. Right. But okay, so like we might be like tape, cape, tub, cub, T, key. And mm -hmm. these minimal pairs, so if a child is fronting all their sounds, they're not going to say key. Right. And they're not going to say um, any of the K or the G words. Go. They're going to replace right. them with T and D. Right. That's so when backing, we place them actually. next to each other. Just the backing. What? No. Well, they're fronting them. No, oh, nobody. Backing is more of like a. It's present in the autistic population. Okay. Many of the younger kids, like you'll, they'll the parents will say that their their sounds are all the back sounds. Oh, they produce, okay. They do like the gug, like when they're yeah. um when they're babbling okay but yeah so like these are so if i put these words next to each so other you're thinking like let's just do let's pick uh, let's pick an example so like go and dough right yeah so dough. they're saying dough. dough for go yeah they're saying dough so right. i okay. want to put them next to each other and i'm having them repeat yes. so i'm like I've done this before yeah go mm -hmm. dough uh gate date right uh tea Key. key key and we're just keep going back and forth right and i'm just doing this over and over again mm -hmm. and as long as they are hearing me and repeating i don't care if they say something the same or different for like the first two weeks three okay. weeks because all i want to do is get them comfortable so that they feel secure about their ability to um to like at participate in this activity right. because I don't want to frame anything as a daunting task because that's what was done to me. Right. So, so you want to just make them feel comfortable. Yes. And that's also building their confidence too. Yes. Like I'm saying this, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. So you're building their confidence. Yeah, right or wrong. I don't care. Right. So then after Because you don't have to be right. You don't have to be right. <laughs> so then after that, I just uh, progress into being more like stringent about mm -hmm. like, I'm like, okay, well, I didn't hear that. So I'm going to need it a little bit stronger. Right. And then I, and then I start to get very bossy Ooh. and they're like, oh, I better do because they have confidence in themselves because right. they've done it so many times yeah. and they also feel safe with me. Like I'm not going to be mean to them or anything mm -hmm. so they do try to please me they like to see my positive right, reaction yeah. kids love that yeah kids so for that. you okay so i mean you you're taking the minimal pairs approach which i'm not not at all knocking i do like it but i also like to look at the motoric pattern of the child or the client's face so for example uh I'll use your example, the go dough. So what they're doing is they're bringing their tongue back. They're mm -hmm. bringing their tongue up when it should be back. Right. So I will tell them tongue has to go up. 
in back and I'll show them or I'll, uh, I've had uh, a child like gargle. I've had gargling mm-hmm. or like just to bring awareness that where their tongue has to go. So I don't think it's that they necessarily can't hear the difference or I think it's more of a motor, like their tongue's not going in the back, it's going in the front for doe, not go. Right, That's but I think I that they as. don't hear a difference, they don't care. Right. They're like, they just... I know what I'm saying, and it's all about their perception. Right. Just That's like I point. perceive it as Yanni and you perceive right. it as plural, they know what they want to say, so right. sometimes you just hear what you want to hear. Right. Because it's your perception, it's what you think. Right. But I do what you do as well, because most of the time I point to like, I'll have six pictures on a page, and it's like, it's like whale, rail, wide, ride, wed, okay. red, and then... Uh, Ring, wing, yeah, or something. Very yeah. good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Once we finish that, I'll give them a puzzle piece and that adds to their puzzle. Oh, and then we go to right. the next page. And if I do a fronting one, so I'll be like, it's gate. And I'll take the puzzle uh-huh. piece and I'll bring it to my throat. And That's I'm like, good. gate. Because right. they're not motivated by my face. They want that piece. So right. I want their motivation to be where the placement is. Oh, that's a good of one. That sound. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is, um, like, for example, uh, like final constant deletion, right? Like our wine. <laughs> uh, so like a child who, or a client, they say eight, right? So I'm looking in terms of their jaw. Is their jaw hanging open? And that's why they're saying eight. And that's why they have final constant deletion. And they're right. not hearing it. So that, for example, eight, right? Your jaw has to open and come back up. And your tongue goes up for t- but if a kid's jaw is just hanging open, they're going to say eight. So you have to tell them, you have to explain to them, jaw has to come up. And once their jaw is up, they can hear the difference mm-hmm. or they can say that. So is it really final constant deletion or is it their jaw is hanging open? So I'm looking at it from a motor, like right. a but I think motor that perspective. I do both because yeah. then I'll be like, I, I, heard, too. I heard A and I want eight. Yeah. So I don't want to hear A anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to hear eight. So I yeah. need to see your mouth closed. Exactly. And that's how I talk to them. Too. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> because and speech is very serious. It is very it serious. It is not a game. And I like that you talk to them like, I want to hear the t, but then some... I want to see it. And I want to see it, and I want, I want you it. to see your jaw. Yeah. I want you to feel We're your jaw. We're staring at ourselves in the mirror all day. Uh, yes, mirror. Mirrors yeah. all day. And that's because we're using multiple... Um, modalities. modalities like yes. we said before neurons wanna, that work in together. In order to get yeah, fire together. Yeah. And also, in order to perceive something it has to be taken in by the senses so that means all of the senses should be incorporated when you are trying to teach something so when you're trying to teach a sound you want to do it metaphorically you want to do it visually you Mm -hmm. want to do it auditorily how would you smell it though well you could (laughs) that's a hard one right yeah but there are some people who think that way like mike sees in color sometimes like he categorizes things as colors like things are colors like days of the week are certain colors and his jokes are certain colors so color clothes things there are i have a friend that associated everything with smells do you know that smell has the highest connection i know i know that yeah so maybe we should smell some things but that's why i use essential oils smell that oh essential oils are great we should talk about that and another another day because i have some more stuff yeah so for example like what a phonological approaches affrication right so the they're doing sh for s so they're adding the affricate so is it really that they're adding the affricate or are they rounding their lips when their lips should be retracting right, right. and that's when you bust out the mirror and you look at their lips and you say look your lips are round sh they're not they're supposed to be smiling s. so once you are teaching them where their lips have to be whether you you know right. whether you use essential oils or the mirror or whatever right that's when you say, all right, like then if I fix the motoric pattern, it'll help with the phonology. Right, exactly. That's why I like to look at more before I look at the phonological approach. I look motorically like what's going on with their face. And I combine <laughs> the two from the get-go, I yeah. think. I'm just like, that's yeah, great. I that's know you're not doing it. Right. So and just do it. Yeah. Close and your I, mouth. It's, we know we're not, they're not doing, but we, I like to look at why. Is it like a right. phonological language approach? Is mm-hmm. it a language deficit or is it a motoric well, if they were deficit? closing their jaw, then they would produce the sound. Right, so it's They motoric. just don't hear the difference. They're right. like, I'm saying what I want to say. Right. I know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, what's the problem? Yeah. Get on the program. <laughs> Get on the program. <laughs> like, we're rounding our lips when we should be retracting. Yeah, Come but on. They're like, they're like, who, this girl has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I have a lot to yeah. say and she keeps interrupting I, me. Maybe, saying, I, maybe I like my jaw. Hanging exactly. out. Oh. Yeah. 
So, and then the the opposite there, deaffirmation. So they should be saying, they're saying shh. So they're rounding when they should really be retracting or their tongue is not going up high enough. So right. for shh, right? You need more tongue strength for shh. And, and for then, these, I like to work on T and SH pairs, like tower, shower. Not, oh, not sour, shower. Interesting. Too confusing and not different enough. Yeah. So I changed the S to a T I for like the middle that pairs. Tip. That's a good tip. Yeah. Change the S for a T. And my favorite of all, gliding, R and L for W, that's because their tongue is not moving. Mm-hmm. Is it because, well, yes, R and L is a hard sound, but... Look at their tongue, and you'll see it's just hanging out. Their tongue is just hanging out at the bottom of, roof, bottom of their mouth when it has to go up. So is it that they don't hear the R and L, or is it that their tongue's not going up? Most I think of the time, it's, it's the tongue. I think it's both, though. I think that they don't discriminate right. a difference true. between it. because So when we were talking about earlier that um, all kids can perceive all sounds by six months right. years old. And then they six lose that. Old. Six months. So... Um, at that time, they start to lose if they don't. If you right. don't use it, you lose it, right? Yeah. So um, they perceive sounds at a very young age, and then that's the sound that they hold on to. And if they're right. not perceiving the sound differently, they're gonna learn the language, and those sounds will like kind of be synonymous. Right. Also, R is influenced by the vowel, which is very confusing I know. for people like me. <laughs> and I did. I think I had an R problem, but I never went to speech, and nobody. I don't really have a recording of myself um. speaking as. Darn. A young kid, but I couldn't yeah. say development. I'm looking at it in terms of uh, I do see what you're saying. The perception they have to have that self monitoring, like oh yeah. I mispronounced that and I have to say red, not wed, it's right? Like and that's a higher a skill, wrong. right? I don't. You're like I you know. think you know the words, yeah. and you don't, right? And you're then so I'm like wrong. I need to Google that because well, I'm anybody. I'm, I'm singing like red cat when it's like <laughs> get over that. Or yeah. Something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I am rapping the wrong lyrics. Yeah. Sorry, Drake. Red cat is great, <laughs> So, um... And then, um, yeah. we're not going to get into this too much because I think it's going to get into, like, a literacy and also, mm-hmm. like, a spelling episode. But then if... This all translates to school age right. now because if these issues are not confronted, then these kids are going to be having issues in terms of reading and spelling. Yes. Yeah, and so it's going to sustain. My, her. like, motoric viewpoint is mm-hmm. that... A lot of times, like, let's say an SLP is not looking or not thinking in terms of motor. They're not thinking of where their jaw is, where their lips is, where their, what their tongue's doing. And if they're only looking at phonologically, mm-hmm. then kids will be labeled like, oh, they're phonological impairment. And like, yes, they are. But they're also it's because their tongue's not moving. Right. So I don't want them to be labeled, labeled as like a total language kid and like the whole like their whole motor system is not even assessed. Right. That's so my in point. summary, yeah. we want to say that we take, we have, I think I speak for both of us, that we suggest that you take a multilinguistic yes. and a multisensory approach. Yes. So we want to connect everything from the beginning, from sounds, letters, meaning. Yeah. But then also we want visual, mm-hmm. auditory, and motor, and, and sensory. If, and if you could add a smell in there, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but like, don't Final constant and deletion smells like peppermint oil yeah well for, for that peppermint oil actually will give sensation to the back of the throat oh because if you take in anything that's like menthol then you're gonna perceive it all the way in the back so it will increase sensory input to the back interesting but make sure the kid's not allergic though right so yes you have to make sure of that disclaimer yeah and uh i think it's time for us well we're gonna let's come back to school age yeah on it once we we hit on school age earlier right we talked about my experience and like breaking things down true on the sound level but then also how it translates over to spelling and reading so we'll, yeah we'll talk more about this when we do a literacy episode. yeah definitely um, i just want to say yeah. that like where you were saying that multilinguistic multimodality mm-hmm. approach is that we want to see these kids getting intervention earlier than later because we don't want them to have difficulty spelling when it's like, again, I said, like, if we just worked on their lingual strength, if we just worked on lingual coordination, they wouldn't have hard times, you know, spelling. Yeah, you should view every group as a mixed group because it doesn't do really anyone a service to target one goal because nothing, we don't live in a vacuum. Nothing happens in isolation. No speech bubbles. We want to develop, connect, and integrate. I like that. Everything that we do. All right, so tips and tricks specifically for phonology. 
Oh, I didn't. Mine's not for phenology. Oh, right. Well, you gave us a lot of tips and tricks. Yes. So okay, great. Tip. Well, all right. Tips and tricks. Someone's gonna go up to you and ask you a phonology question. <laughs> yeah. And what are you gonna say to them? I'm going to say to them, "This is my tip or trick." Uh, I'm gonna say, "I can't talk to you right now. I have to go to the bathroom." Right. This is just a sentence that you need to just take into your uh, repertoire. Subconscious. Yeah, your repertoire. So lots of people try to talk to you all day long as an SLP, and you don't have time for that, and you only have these small breaks. So today I'm in the hallway. Somebody had to say something to me. I just saw the face and the hand like the, and then I was like, I can't talk to you. I have to go to the bathroom. You read their nonverbal cues. I did. Yes, you're right. And and what'd they say to that? They they understood. No one can question that. It's a... It's a human right to go to the bathroom. So if you're listening right now, I just want you to repeat to yourself, I can't talk to you, I have to go to the bathroom, and then tell somebody that today or tomorrow. Nice. <laughs> My tip and trick is not related to that, but I am, and I guess I'm feeling inspired from the Laurel and the Yanni, mm-hmm. I also do this, to record your client, uh, whether audio or video, so listen, have them listen to it. See if they even hear their errors. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is a lot of times they don't hear their errors because remember how your voice sounds different when you play it because it's going through bone conduction and right. air conduction and all that acoustic science, speech right. science stuff. And also when you're trying to learn a new word in a different language, you're like, yeah, I am saying that. And a native is like, you're not. That, right. So and they're like, here, listen, I'm going to record you and I'm going to put this on Snapchat so everyone could see how terrible right. you sound. Exactly. So don't do that with your clients. <laughs> but, you know, the point is to record them and uh, have them listen to it. And what I do with my older kids, I love to do this. I record them. We read something and I have them highlight words they mispronounce. And that's their homework right there. Go over the highlighted words and give them like tally your errors how many errors did you have? Oh, you had 20 today. Give yourself a score. Yeah. Have them rate themselves. Very good. I like that. And uh, so our whole episode today was about perception. And the way that you perceive things is the way that you will understand things. Correct. So we would like to suggest a perspective shift on your part. So our quote is, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yep. And Preach. Yeah. Just take that in. And that's been SLP's Wine and Cheese with Deb and Maria. Ciao. Ciao.